lift you up. We extol you, O God. You're worthy to be praised, worthy to be adored, worthy to be glorified, magnified, and exalted. We lift up the precious name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We bless you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know what? I just believe the Lord is saying to look for change. He says, every time we get together, God says, I want to do something for you that is life-changing. I want to make changes. I never ordained for my people to stay at the same place. Never ordained for them to just endure church services, says the Lord. I have ordained for these to be active, lively interchanges between me and you. So expect to see change in your life. Expect to see change in yourself, in the way that you think, in the way that you believe, in the desires of your heart to do good and to work for me. And the Lord says, I will make those changes. You have to expect them, but I'm ready to make them, says the Spirit of the living God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Amen. God is good. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. So um, today we're going to talk about the fact that trouble may interrupt you, but it will not stop you. Amen. Trouble may interrupt you, but it will not stop you. Jesus promises that in the world we will have trouble. That word tribulation is just a King James cute way of saying trouble. And, uh, you know, that trouble means that there is something that is disturbing your anticipated uh, uh, events or the normal flow of events, uh, something that comes to the contrary of what you expect or what you believe will happen. We know that the enemy is out here to do what he can to keep us from going forward in God. The reason he wants to keep us from making progress in God Every, because every advance that we make in God's kingdom hurts his. So we take something away from him every time we have a success in God, every time we make advancements. I don't care what the advance is. It could be just believing God for supernatural air in your tire or believing God for, a, you know, a supernatural life on one of your appliances. All of these things hurt his kingdom because you are advancing your relationship with God, your trust in God, your knowledge of God. The only way the enemy can defeat God's church is to deceive us into believing something about God that is not true. He works in, in, in convincing people that lies are real. And so if he can plant a lie inside of us having something to do with God and get us to believe it, and operate in a way that it seems that we believe it or, or, or start to move in that, that flow that gives, um, gives uh, confirmation 
that we're we're believing something that's not true about God. For instance, when God gave the talents to the three different individuals, the Bible says he gave them according to their individual abilities. Problem is, most people think they're a whole lot more capable than they are. They believe they're a whole lot more gifted than they are. They believe that they're they're entitled to a whole lot more than they are. Amen. So we're deceived, number one. See, because when you stay humble before God, your faith starts to line up with what the way God sees you exactly, and your expectations are normal. Your expectations come to pass, and so. It it appears that two of the people that he gave talents, according to their abilities, invested them well. But a third person hid it from God because there was something wrong in the way he thought about God. He said, I know you're a thief, is really what he was saying. He said, you want to sow where you don't reap. You're a hard taskmaster. See, whenever you're, you're in covenant with God and you believe he doesn't want to help you, or you believe he's mean, or you believe he's not going to reward you if you give, or he's not going to bless you if you tithe, or something like there's something wrong in your thinking. Now you can you can not want to do something, you can want not want to obey God or be afraid to obey Him, but don't ever change your your uh, view that God is a good God. Don't ever let the devil talk you out of trusting God and believing in His goodness in his love and believing what the bible says about him because that's when you start going down the wrong road and in thinking that you're you're cheating god you cheat yourself every time we refuse to obey god we cheat ourselves you're not doing god is still god no matter what we do he's going to be god no if if you give or if you don't give he's still going to be god but your situation may not change for the better. And so God wants us to have a, a truthful, honest, uh, biblically-based understanding of who he is. He's a good God. He's good all the time. His tender mercies are over you and over me and over all his works. So he's more disposed to be merciful to us than we are disposed to be uh, uh uh, truthful sometimes in our assessment of him and so god will never let anybody go through life with a, a messed up concept of who he is he wants to always reveal truth to us you know when the prophets of old would get their instructions from god and and god would say well i want you to go and prophesy to these people and tell them this and this and the prophet would go huh seriously <laughs> me god tell them that and God said, well, he said, whether they hear, in other words, when he said hear or forbear, and that means whether they hear me and repent or get obedient, or whether they forbear in their rebellion and keep going that way, he said, one thing they will know, they will know there has been a prophet among them. So God says, whether people obey me or not, they got to know who I am. So if you'll tell the truth about me and live the truth, people will know that I'm real. They'll know that I'm good. They know that I'm merciful, and they'll know that through my people. And so God always wants the truth to be known about him and the truth to be told and preached about him. So what do we do when trouble comes? Trouble, you know, for some people, trouble is, is somebody running out of your nail polish color. You know what I'm saying? 
the diva in us and we all got some everybody's finicky about something Uh, it just depends on what you consider to be trouble there's some things happen to people in this world you know sometimes sinners have such sometimes horrendous things happen to them just you just look at them from birth it's just trouble you know born into a uh, the mother's on drugs she can't take care of them they go into foster care they get abused in that and it just it just it's just sometimes trouble from day one with some people and you wonder sometimes how does it happen well there has to be some shield from god that comes in people's lives period to protect them and keep them going but everybody is going to have some measure of trouble um as believers we we develop our faith uh, and really your faith is there to meet certain things to a certain extent not to ward off everything you know faith is not like garlic around your neck uh, you know to keep vampires out the house your faith is there to establish you in covenant with god got me many people can use their faith to walk disease free and they know that they have immunity to all disease uh, sometimes your faith can get worn down is is fighting immunity you know you sit up and you listen to uh, uh all of the uh, you know if you listen to all the commercials on your television all day you'll be sick as a dog by the time if you listen to that for 12 hours by midnight you sick as a dog and you dialing up the 800 numbers trying to get some of their stuff to help yourself with and so and that's the purpose of the world the world system is to wear us down so that we don't hang on to the faith of the son of god i can tell you believing for good health is easier when you're young and you have no pain in your body every day just getting up turning over in the middle of the night you got me and so uh, in but you can reestablish your faith it takes work and it takes determination to keep it that way but we can have faith to walk in divine health and and give no thought to to these things when they hit us you understand what i'm saying and if you get off of that you can get back on it again that's the nice thing about that horse you can always get back on it again and so god wants us to understand though that if trouble and when trouble comes this is the thing trouble may not come to you in your health might come through another door but there will be you will have your share of trouble because faith is for overcomers it's not for easy street livers it's for people who know that they live in enemy territory they know there's a devil out here that really wants to kill them you got me if he could get just a little bit closer to most of us we'd be gone you know the sovereign will of god is to sustain our lives to the completion of our ordained time here on this earth to keep you in perfect peace that means perfect health perfect mental condition perfect understanding of the world around you 
uh, is to keep you intact in every way. That's God's will for us. This will will be challenged by trouble. It just comes to everybody. There are certain degrees of trouble that come to all people. I know for a fact that the degree of trouble, the purpose of trouble in a believer's life is to develop your faith to a higher degree so that God can uh, equip you for every good work. Sometimes we're equipped for good works up to a certain level and there has to be a situation that comes along that forces us to use our faith so that it will come up to a higher level. Well, somebody wake up, say amen. amen. If you need to stand up and stretch yourself, do that now, okay? Because you want to you stay awake. Praise God. Amen. So trouble comes for a different reason in the believer's life than it does in the unbeliever's life. Unbeliever is not guaranteed to overcome it. That's the biggest difference. You have an overcomer's guarantee. Amen. You do. All you have to do is quit thinking about you. See, we we go through about 10 days of, why, God, why? What did I do wrong? See, if you can, that's loving your life. Bible says they overcome because they don't love their lives unto the death. You die right on the spot. When trouble comes, you're a dead person to who you are, and now you're a righteous Christian begging for daddy's help. You got me? We know how to put that one on, don't we? So you flip over to God's child, whatever you want me to do, God, I'm so sorry if I did something wrong. You don't. We know. You know how we work that. We come clean, you know, we, well, yeah, God, I, I know I got stuff in my closet I ain't supposed to have, but I'm going to get it to the saints today. Whatever you want me to do, Lord, I'm clean. And so, and it's a good thing. It's the first thing you do. You examine yourself. You know, people say, well, that's just condemnation. No, that's good common sense. I think that ain't con, con nothing except common sense. Mm-hmm. You know if the closet is full, you know what you're supposed to do. You know, I'm a little behind in that, God. I'm I'm hoarding over here. Let me get rid. Of, you know, let me let me be a giver like you ordained me to be. Let me get on the job. And so once we examine ourselves and we understand that God, you know, I'm I'm going to work with you on this, and I want you to work with me on this, then then we're on our way to recovery. As quickly as we repent, we are on our way to recovery. Got me? Repentance really means to put yourself in a holy mindset. To put yourself in a mindset of not loving your life or preserving yourself, but being setting yourself up to be obedient to God. That's what you want to do. Because you only obedience is going to get you out of this. And you understand that. So God is faithful. This is the one thing you need to know. When trouble comes, remember number one thing and that God is faithful. 2 Thessalonians 3, if you'll turn there. 2 Thessalonians 3 and verse 3. 
It says, but the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. The Bible also says that he is a present helper in trouble, which means that he is with you all the time, even in your trouble. Well, how did I get in trouble if God was with me? It was ordained for you. We already said we already established that. Jesus said, in the world, you will have it. You don't even need to understand why you're in trouble. This is where we waste a lot of our spiritual energy and time trying to figure out how to, what door did I open? Girl, your door stay open because your mouth stays open. Because you get up every day with not so wholesome thoughts in your head. How can I buy this? How can I get that? We have the acquisition mentality. Instead of honoring God with your first fruits of everything, like your first eye blink in the morning, honor God your first eye blink. Lord, I thank you. I woke up this morning. I thank you, Lord, that that even though my night was not real good, my day is going to be better. You understand what I'm saying? Thank you for having a plan for me today. I want to be in line with your plan, your daily plan for me. And I want to know what you're up to today. I want to be a part of what you're doing today. See, if you offer your, that's that's, uh, offering your body as a living sacrifice, if you offer yourself up to the Lord first thing in the morning, I guarantee your day will go better. It will go a whole lot better. And so we offer ourselves up as living sacrifices. We die daily to our flesh, and that, that means the problems that come along with it. So there's a benefit in dying to self. That means you, you die to the, the reaping that you would get from the life of flesh. And so in... in uh, second thessalonians 3 3 it says god will establish you that means that you're not going to go down you ain't going under and he will protect you from all evil and from the evil one we have confidence in the lord that you are doing and will continue to do the things that is commanded and so that's your confidence that's how you stay strengthened that's how you stay protected is staying close to, to god and drop down in verse 16 it says now may the lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way even in time of trouble may the lord give you peace in all things in every way so what that means is that even when trouble comes to you you don't freak out over it. You're not running here and there trying to figure out how to get out of it in a hurry. You're not trying to find a bail bondsman so you can, you know, get out of jail in a hurry, get somebody else out of jail in a hurry. You have peace about it, and you know how to wait for God's deliverance because it says he will protect you from so nothing's going to hurt you, nothing's going to harm you, All you have to do is cling and stay close to God until the trouble's over. Make up your mind you're going to obey God through this thing, and it won't have any damage, any ill effects in your life. But you have gained something. 
Because the Bible says to count it all joy when we go through this. Because the testing of our faith yields the fruit of patience that you may be whole, entire, lacking nothing. So the mental condition that you were in before you went into the trial will be nothing like when you come out of it. You'll have a different understanding of trouble. You'll have a different invincibility against it. You'll have the ability to withstand, and you won't be so fearful in the face of threats of the enemy. Because he threatens us all the time. Huh? Well, you you know, suppose your kids don't call you back, or you get you get used to your kids checking in with you after you've called them and, and left a message. An hour and three hours goes by, and you haven't heard anything. And the devil tries to tell you, well, they ain't calling back. They didn't run off with so and so and such. You know, your worst fear has all of a sudden come to pass. But what do you do? You go to to Second Thessalonians three. God, I'm speaking to you. I'm talking to you. You will preserve me from all trouble. If my children are in trouble, I'm in trouble. And you preserve my children from all trouble so that I have no trouble in my life. No trouble in my life. No trouble in my life. The enemy can interrupt, but he cannot stop you. Your plan in God will prosper. It will continue it may be interrupted, but it will resume. You got me? It will resume. It will not be stopped. Biggest problem with most people, they don't like trouble because they think it's going to prevent them from accomplishing something. See, we see trouble as the end of the story. We don't see it as an interruption in our story. But that's all it is. It's merely an interruption in your story. And is not the end of the story. In other words, your latter end will still be greater than your beginning. Your best days are ahead of you. The path of the righteous grows brighter and brighter unto the perfect day. All of that is still true no matter what happens as far as trouble is concerned. Trouble will not take you under. Your best thing to do when you're in trouble is nothing. Don't call nobody to borrow nothing. Don't call nobody to ask for nothing. When you get trouble, your best thing to do is nothing. Maintain your peace. Call on God. Know that he's good. Know that, and once you, see, this is, this is the whole thing. What happens is when trouble comes, we get so desperate. We don't go to God in the right frame of mind. Can I say that? We go like, this is news to him, and it's not. He saw it coming a long time ago. That's why he encourages us to worship him. He encourages us to give. He encourages us to be a blessing. He encourages us to do everything because he sees trouble coming. Now listen, he don't need your obedience to get you out of trouble. But you need to be obedient so you can believe him to get you out of trouble. There are a lot of his children that never eat at the father's table. You understand what I mean when I say that? 
There are a lot of us who think we only deserve crumbs. And we had a beggar's mentality. We just always are getting the crumbs from the Father's table. and We never sit there in his presence and partake of our portion. We're satisfied with crumbs. Crumbs is this. When you get your paycheck, instead of tithing, even though you've been saved for 30 years, you still give the same 10 dollars $15, Well, let me tell you what that does for you because I know the difference. I did it for many years because I didn't have access and control over my family finances. And I never settled it with God that whatever I had the grace to give was sufficient. You hear what I'm telling you? There's a grace that is extended to every. Now, once you prove God in tithing, you better keep it up. Because you have the grace to tithe. You got me? So don't be jerking God around. And see, what happens when we shrink back from what we know to be right and we have the faith to accomplish, that's when condemnation hits us. That's when we, we're afraid to go to God, and that's when we start trying to figure out how to pay my bills, how to get more money, how to do this. We start uh, thinking, conniving, robbing Peter to pay Paul, doing this, doing that. You have needs in your household. God gives you money to keep your appliances repaired, keep your furnace working. Keep your gas on, keep your lights on. He provides all of that. But instead of doing, being faithful and taking care, see, that's too boring. It's much more exciting to go and buy something we're not supposed to have. You got me? And then hide it from God and cut back on our giving. And see, all of that hurts you in your time of trouble. Because when trouble comes, that's the first thing the devil will make you remember, is that you haven't been faithful doing what you're supposed to do. And so instead of you going to the Father's table and saying, Father, here I am, I'm here for my full portion, having confidence that you've been obedient, you haven't shrunk back when you know the right thing to do, and you, and it, you then you go begging for scraps all the time. I'm going to get a little bit of this and a little bit of this and see if I can get something from some. If I can get a little bit of this and then I can make it. <laughs> Always making it. Never dining at the Father's table. We all start where we start. But we don't all have to remain there. See, if you're talking about an Amos 9.13 blessing, that's for obedient people. That's for people who come up to the Father's table and sit there and they can chat with the Father and feel confident they're supposed to be there. They're not under any fear or condemnation or wondering if they can, if they get, can I ask God for this and is he going to do this? And he, or trying to bluff your way. I know God's going to do so-and-so for me. See what I'm saying? And so there's a big difference in beggars and those who know that God is their portion. And see, trouble will force you to make God your portion. That's why some people have a whole lot more than others do. Because it forces you to make God your portion. Because you have no choice then. And see, all God wants you to do is understand that he is for you, not against you. 
Why haven't you come to me on a regular basis? I could have helped you with this. I can help you with that. I can help you with the other. Huh? And get you in the habit of trusting him and knowing him as a good God, as a father, provider, husband, friend, whatever it is that you need, you need to know him as that so that your life can be what he wants it to be. You can follow through on the plan that God has for you without interruption. You can, you can overcome the harassment of the devil when something happens. It's not according to God's plan. You can circumvent all of that by, by knowing God is your comfort, knowing he is with you in your trouble, counting on him to be there without fail. Quit trying to make God go over your faith and give you more than you can really believe for. Humble yourself before God. Understand that he is your helper. He knows how to provide for you. He knows what he's got for you. We get ourselves in more trouble with our mouths trying to overshoot our faith. Like we can fool him. He knows what you're believing for. He knows what you can believe for. Faith tends to work on people in increments. You don't have mountain moving faith day one. You gotta, you know, get your <laughs> get your little <laughs> whatever you can push, you know, nudge that a little bit and then build up. You got me? And so that's all God's expecting us to do. Use whatever faith that you have to trust him with what you need and see what he brings back into your life. So God is a refuge for us in our trouble, a very present help in trouble. Uh, turn to Matthew chapter 2. And you'll see somebody that, that was in the will of God, had a plan of God. We're on the way to that plan coming to pass, and they got interrupted. In Matthew chapter 2, it's important to keep in mind that God is good. He knows where you are. He needs to lead you somewhere. He knows how to get a word to you that gives you confidence that you've heard from him. He's not shooting out a bunch of answers and a bunch of possibilities. Uh, God's on one road leading you, and he leads you and guides you in a sure way and in a way that you will understand. Uh, here we see in Matthew chapter 2, this is where Jesus was born in Bethlehem, and the wise men have come. Uh, they're following a star. Now, these, these wise men had... Uh, reputations in the Middle East. Uh, they were astrologers, but when that's all you got, there is a way to understand how God leads through that method. I don't understand anything about it, but it worked for them. You saw it in, in the, um, with many of the kings. They would have wise men, uh, seers, Sometimes God would drop a real prophet in there to blow everybody's head up. You understand what I'm saying? He does that many times. That's his mercy. And when people are looking for answers, he'll put the real in there, even though they're, <clears throat> they're asking down kind of a false road. You see, many times the wise men couldn't come up with an answer. Well, you know that ain't God. 
when you work for God, he always has an answer. You understand what I'm saying? And so, uh, uh, but, but that's how they understood things. These wise men had such a reputation, they referred to them as king makers. When there were kings being born, according to prop, they would gather all the intelligence, I guess, that they had, and along with their astrological uh, abilities, and they would follow up on things that were important, uh, um, uh, important happenings in the history of humanity. Uh, you know, the church should be so wise. We still got preachers who speak against prophets and against prophecy and we're living in the day of prophetic people where ordinary christians now understand that they can handle the word of the lord and god will give them an answer through a a word of knowledge or a prophecy and yet they think that prophets and apostles were done away with and that's a large number of people in the church you know, I mean, we are we are strange and we are rare, even still. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I'm I'm thankful we live in a day where God gives prophets prophecies that have to do with national events, because we pray about those things and we need to know. You understand what? So we are really being guided by prophecy or supplemented by prophecy in a lot of areas in our lives now, and you can see it's very helpful to us. So these wise men were following, they were told to look for a star in the east, and we know that's prophetic from the mouth of God, and they followed it as far as they can go. Uh, <clears throat> and so when, when God begins to, to work with them, he, he starts by showing them uh, the way through this star. So uh, the wise men have been before Herod because they are asking him if he knows where this child is. Now, they must be important men to have an audience with King Herod. You just didn't get in to see the king if you were nothing and a nobody. Herod knows they're on to something. What they have is credible. Herod then tells them, oh, well, this is happening. I want to worship him, too. And so he tells the wise men, when you find out where he is, come back through here and let me know about it. But God spoke to the wise men in a dream and told them not to go back to Herod and tell them anything after they had seen the Lord. And so they went back by another way. Mary and Joseph then are, are the parents of the baby that that's, wants to be seen by Herod. And so in verse 7 in Matthew chapter 2, if you'll go down there, it says, Herod called the Magi secretly to find out from them the exact time the star of, uh, and they went to Bethlehem. Okay, uh, verse 13, go there. It says here, when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. He said, get up, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. And stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child and kill him. So when God warns you, he warns you exactly what the trouble is, but he always gives you a remedy. The Bible says even when Joseph came out of prison and he talked to Pharaoh, he said, God will give you an answer of peace. 
whatever it is god tells you even if there's trouble in the message he has a solution and your your end result is peace like we just read the god of peace may himself give you peace and keep you peaceful throughout the day of trouble so that trouble you can be in trouble but not even know it because of god's abiding peace when god when you get in trouble day one he tells you and reassures you that he has a solution for you before trouble even shows up god says i have an answer for you and this is what it is he won't leave you dangling and hanging and uncertain and not knowing and not sure and wondering and am i going to get out of this what's going to happen with this how am i going to get he doesn't do that to you when you go to god you go to him in full assurance of faith if you don't have full assurance of faith you got to figure out how to get it because it's there for you you see what i'm saying that's why in getting out of trouble uh for god can't be this can't be your first rodeo you understand what i'm saying because you've got to be able to draw from what has god done for me in the past how did i set that up <clears throat> what did he do how did he help me if you have no history in god you got a bible to go to amen how did he how did he help other people how did he help faithful people now we need to know this about mary and joseph they were faithful to god they had a plan in god and they were on assignment by god being the parents of of jesus was their assignment so they were assigned something to do in god you got me you must be in the will of god if you're out of the will of god find out what it is and get over there and do what he tells you to do you understand what i'm saying don't do more of what you've been doing i'm gonna say it again don't do more of what you've been doing what you've been doing probably contributed somewhat to your trouble if you've been relying on yourself if you've been relying on your goods if you've been relying on anything other than god stop it and get before god and find out what to do find out what to do the woman in, with the uh, uh the baby with nine deformities who went to a.a a. allen's meeting she made up her mind she wasn't going to leave the same way that baby came in she did the best she could do she said i don't care if i get home or not this is all the money i have i'm putting it in the offering the minute she put it in there that, that man got a vision of her and knew that baby exactly and, and everything yeah. baby went home healed yeah. one of the things that she did she quit doing what she'd always been doing to get her baby help i'm gonna say it again she quit doing what she'd always been doing to help her child So Mary and Joseph were on assignment by God. You got to know if you're on assignment by God. If you're not, you better get over there. You need to know if you are or not. And a lot of people assume they're obeying God and never just stop to talk to God. And God, what do you want me to do today? Or, or if that's not your routine, you need to start it. Show God you mean business with Him. Get that routine started in your life. 
They must, you must have a relationship of covenant and trust in God. Call on God and cling to him as a refuge. You don't need words from every Tom, Dick, and Harry. You don't need to track down, you know, another source for your help. God can bring your help to you. In fact, I've learned how to just wait until he gets, sends somebody to me, sends a word to me, or gives me some idea that I know is 100% God and I know is going to help me. So we need to call on him and cling to him as a refuge. <clears throat> God appeared to Joseph for his peace. Joseph's plan was interrupted by trouble from Herod, but God tells him a solution to that trouble. In fact, before Herod even makes the announcement, God tells him. God is what they call proactive. Many times he will get you in motion for your solution. Why? Because if he tells you up front and you move out in peace, you don't have to move in a panic when you see it happen for real. And so God knows even how to shield us from the emotions, the negative emotions, the confusion that comes with it, the desperation that comes. Desperate people will do anything. They'll, any, any idea sounds good to you when you're desperate. And so we have to understand that God wants to prepare us and help us and keep us from all of this. So he tells him to flee Herod and go to Egypt. And don't come back until I tell you to. So it says, he says, in verse 14, he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt. Immediately. If God tells you in the middle of the night, that means he wants you to leave in the middle of the night. He doesn't care if it's dark outside. He don't care what it is. He tells you to go, you better get to getting. Huh? Or at least wake up and sit up on the edge of the bed and act like you're getting ready to go somewhere. And he says he took him and his mother and left where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so it was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the wise men, he was furious and gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under. That was the trouble that was coming in accordance with the time he had learned from the, from the Magi. And then what, then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah weeping and mourning, great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. And so when God tells you to move, he means move. Amen. They stayed until Herod died. But when you, heard, when you hear that the one who was after you is dead, you still can't move until God tells you it's time to move and where to go. You got me? So you don't all of a sudden get cool and pick up your own deliverance. And say the trouble is over. Now I can just go back to doing what I want to do in, in my uh, normal routine. You still, you're still under orders from God. And see, when God spares your life like that with a great deliverance, you're even more committed to listen to him because now you have proof that he can spare you from great trouble. 
You know, never take God's deliverance for granted. Never assume that it's always going to be there for you. Sometimes it's a little hard to find, especially if you keep a distance from God. So Herod sends forth that order out of anger. Many babies died, but yours doesn't have to die. Your kids won't die young. I don't care what's going on. They won't. That that's not their portion. You got me. And it's not their portion because God has spoken it, and you need to get under the faith for it, so that you can know. You know, your your concern for your offspring only should go so far. It shouldn't go out in in wild zones. You know what I'm saying? Where you could imagine anything. You got to rein that in and pull it back under the word of God. Yeah, God, I know that's happening. I feel bad for the people it's happening to, but you promised me it won't happen to mine. Amen. Remind him of his promises. Don't get arrogant and say, ain't going to happen to mine. Like you're doing something to make it happen. Get real. Huh? God, you have. Keep yourself humble under the mighty hand of God. Amen? Because he's your help and your deliverer. And don't be out there skating on thin ice. You know, sometimes we watch it happen to other people and get scared. And never go to God with it. You can't let that fear build up on the inside of you. You've got to take that to God immediately. When fear hits you and the threat hits you from the devil that something negative is going to happen to your children, you'll know it won't. Huh? The other thing you need to know about trouble is because it's a test, once you master it, when I say master, you can be, if, if they can give kids a, what is that first belt they give them in? Yellow. Yellow. That always meant coward where I came from, but it's another story. If they can give you a little coward belt in karate and you don't know nothing, certainly God can give you mastery over, over your, in your first, huh? The first time I had to take authority over a devil and cast it out of somebody, I knew they wouldn't wrestle with me anymore. You got me? I'm not going to keep wrestling. Now listen, God, me and you got to get understanding. We can't be doing this because my hair sweats back and (laughs) it just gets. God's got plenty sense. He knows if I have to sweat too much now, bye-bye, you might have to find somebody else to do this. God goes, this ain't my shot. I come from a long line of women that's been trying to get out of the the hot kitchen. You understand what I'm saying? Don't put me back in there again. But you know what I'm saying. You get an understanding that faith doesn't wrestle with devils. Faith takes authority and they must obey. You got me? That's what Jesus, they did that for Jesus and you have the same anointing. So let things get settled with you and not go on and on forever. So in Nahum chapter 1, if you'll turn there, this is why you have confidence when, when trouble comes. You can actually get excited about it if you're that kind of person. I don't. I kind of tend to stay a little on the cautious side which is fine you can be caution sometimes keep your discernment active you don't get overly confident you don't get cocky and you don't get stupid and so you and then you stay in peace 
so there's a place of peace for you to operate from so that you don't get overcome by these things. And Nahum, you need to know that trouble will come and interrupt you, but it won't overtake you. Nahum 1, verse 1, uh, verse 2, it says, The Lord is a jealous and avenging God. The Lord takes vengeance and is filled with wrath. When, when his children cry out to him, God has vengeance against your enemies. Amen? And I'm not talking about flesh and blood. Because that same devil can jump into somebody else tomorrow and give you just as much trouble if you think your problem is flesh and blood. He will not punish the righteous with the wicked. You've got to understand that. When you're in trouble, God's plan is never to punish you. He is to help you overcome it with your faith. He takes vengeance on your enemies only. You are his friend through the blood of his son. You have made peace with God once and for all. That bond of peace is never broken except by us in our mental condition of thinking it's gone. But as far as God is concerned, what what he does one time, it lasts forever. Once that blood pays for your sins and you make peace with God and there's no, you're not owing him anything anymore. It's been paid for. Then you don't owe him anything. He is forever friends with you. He will forever undertake for you. He will forever fight for you. He doesn't really care how you got into the trouble, but you do. It becomes an issue for us because we have a a bad understanding of God's mercy. We think it's going to run out. Whenever you question how you got into trouble or what you did wrong or how you missed it, you are limiting God's mercy. You don't have a good understanding that his mercy is everlasting and endures forever. You just got to know how to appropriate it. You got to know how to get his mercy on your side and be confident in his mercy. It comes through proving him and clinging to him in your difficulty. That's how you get convinced about his mercy. You live in it on a continual basis. You're not trying to earn anything from God because you know you can't. And mercy is the highest place to live in in God. Amen? It's the highest place because it's extended to his friends. You always extend mercy to your friends. We do it ourselves. You ever notice that certain people is kind of just messed up in the head and you love them anyway? Because there's something about them that you warm up to. So you extend mercy to them. huh? You just say, well, yeah, well, that's just her or that's just him. That's, you've extended mercy to that person. Amen? And that's the way God does us. We're his friends and he extends mercy to us at all times. It says in verse 3, the Lord is slow to anger. But when he's ticked off, he's got great power. So don't take his slow to angerness for him not being angry at sin. That's the mistake people in the world are making now. That's where they're getting so bold in confronting God's people to change and be soft on sin. 
it used to be a time you didn't go to a minister of the gospel and try to pin them down and back them off you respected their stand and you listened to that even if you didn't agree with it you didn't challenge them see this is a time of open challenging and so people are doing it because they think god's not around they think he's not angry they think he's saying it's okay and he's not and they will know sooner than later they will know so uh, god is of great mercy he he understands uh the righteous how to help them but wickedness he definitely will judge he will not leave the guilty unpunished it says in verse three his way is in the whirlwind and the storm and clouds are the dust of his feet so god is active you know how people say well god don't cause earthquakes he does (laughs) everything that goes on with the elements is under god's control you under you ever see in the bible where it says there will be earthquakes there will be famines these things will happen they don't have to affect you you can always get a a stay of execution (laughs) you can get a reprieve you may not be able to stop it from happening but you can get a reprieve and mercy in the midst of it some of it you will be able to stop if god permits it that has to be his idea to give you power to do that but god is present in them he is active in them and he is powerful in all of these upsetting natural disasters he, he, you know the stories we used to hear were in hurricane katrina there was tons of stories that people that got spared were on top of the roof for like almost two weeks until help came and god sustained them every day you understand but you got to cling to him and know that he's your help and your portion you can't be sitting up there waiting on man and out there protesting and, and being mad at the president because he won't send you anything you got to cling to god amen because he's over all this stuff god is a place to hide and be secure in trouble nahum uh, four what one four he rebukes the sea and dries it up he makes the rivers run dry so if that's your solution and that's what you need cling to god because he'll cause it to happen when natural disasters strike god is right in the midst of these things this is not the devil causing it and and it's beyond even god's control you understand what i'm saying many of these things as a result the fruit of sin in the earth and the earth begins to turn against man because he's he's siding with the prince of this world and so we have to understand though that you can call on god in the midst of all of this and he can control it and spare you from it it says bastion and carmel wither and the blossoms of lebanon fade the mountains quake before him and the hills melt away the earth trembles at his presence the world and all who live in it so your god is almighty who can withstand his indignation who can endure his fierce anger his wrath is poured out like fire and rocks are shattered before him but the lord is good he can do all this but he's still good 
And that's what you have to remember in the midst of trouble. It's not because of anything you've done, but you've got to remember that the Lord is good. You're not some victim somewhere, but you've got to remember that the Lord is good. He has not turned against you. He's not your enemy all of a sudden. There's nothing you've done that's made him this angry that he's going to let you be destroyed. God is good. To wicked people, that's not true. It says he is a refuge in times of trouble. He expects us to cling to him. Not just come and get a little comfort, a little answer, but every day cling to him until your trouble is past. You stay with him every day on that. Until this thing is over with, you stay with him every day. I can tell you situations if my mind was fatigued and I was tempted to say, well, God, you know, just whatever. I don't care. I just want it over with. You know how your mind goes there? And if you're not careful, your mouth will go there too. If your mouth goes there, you repent. Because that's not his will for you is for whatever happened or or you're sick of it and you're fatigued and your mind can't take no more. You just going to go crazy if something don't happen. You stay with God on that. God, I still believe that your mercy, I still believe my child will be delivered. I still believe my child will get out of jail. I still believe my child will be a star athlete. I still believe my child is going to do well. Got me? He's good and he's a refuge in time of trouble. You cling to him. And I mean cling. I mean, if it takes talking to him 15, 20 times in an hour, you keep you stay connected to God. And stay keep a hold of his peace. He said he's a refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust in him. You may not be trusting him with your finances like you should. Tell him you're sorry. Ask him to help you do better. See, what we do is we do the sorry part. We never ask for help to overcome these things. That's why we we repeat offenders. That's why we feel like we deserve to have the book thrown at us. Repeat offenders always do. they always shocked when they get, I can't believe I got off with that. You better repent, brother, and come clean and, and stay with God. That door might not be open to you all the time. For believers, it's always open. Repentance always opens the door to God's mercy for us. But we need to clean up our act. We need to want to do right. We need to want to do better. He says in verse 8, is that where? He says, but with an overwhelming flood. He will make an end of wicked cities. There was Nineveh at the time. And he was flooding out evil in that city. Trust me, if there were righteous people there, he spared them. You got me? In fact, he had spared Nineveh once before because they repented. This time, not so. He will pursue his foes to the realm of darkness. So that devil that keeps bugging you about your health. God's pursuing him back to hell where he came from. That devil that wants to disrupt your finances and your family, he's chasing him all the way back to hell where he came from. God pursues your enemies until they're totally defeated. 
Huh? You know how sometimes we'll we'll get a, a <laughs> I call it a partial partial victory. Like the devil keeps harassing you about something. And and you 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 know, bind him, take authority, you pray your way through this difficulty. And and then later on it happens again, it pops up in your brain again and you say, Well you didn't finish him off the first time. Amen. He finished you off. Because you got a little relief and you ran from him instead of finishing him off. Huh? God, how do I finish this devil? I don't want this popping up in my life. Let's get rid of this thing. Let's do him in now. And see, he'll fool you because he'll be stunned and back off from you and then wait until a later time. And, and mount up another offense against you because you never really got rid of him. The way you get rid of him totally is you start developing your faith. You talk to God, God, I don't want this problem. I want this devil done with. You got me? I want this thing done with. You know, the enemy tried to uh, put me back in depression many years ago about some some stuff that had happened in my husband's life when he was much younger started cropping up in our married life. And I went on a walk. Well, when I was walking, I need to do it again now, but you know what I'm saying? That was my time with the Lord. You got me? At the end of that walk, I had the assurance that that was over and done with. And it never, everything that was evidence of it disappeared in one day. It was gone. You got me? Because I believe God's word. See, why should I fight with something every day over and over and over again when he's promised me? Naaman, Nahum 1-9. See, God, I want this done. I want this over with. I didn't plan for this. I have no room in my life for this. Can you get rid of this for me? By the time my walk was over and I finished talking to the Lord about it, it was done, folks. And I'm going to tell you, you don't have to worry with the devil over and over and over again. You got me? Old girlfriends popping up, making demands, wanting to go to court and all that. That's my money, baby. You don't take nothing from me. I don't know who you think you are, where you came from. But that Baba's money. You let the devil keep worrying you if you want to. But I'm telling you, you can take the same walk I did. Huh? Because this is the way God sees it. It says, whatever they plot against the Lord. He ain't plotting against me. He's plotting against the Lord. And you got to see that. That's the same thing David said about Goliath. Who is this to defy the armies of the living God? Don't you see who's behind me? Don't you see who really lives at my house? Huh? You think it's just me and my husband and his paycheck? Are you kidding me? Do you see all these army of heaven that lives here? You ain't taking nothing out of here. And I mean you ain't getting it, devil. says who whatever they plot against the Lord he will bring to an end 
The King James says he'll make an utter end of everything that afflicts you, gives you a hard time, rubs you the wrong way, smell funny, act funny, look funny, whatever it is. Your discernment tells you it ain't right, it ain't right, get rid of it. Get it out of your life. It says affliction will not rise up a second time. Once you're done with a devil, you're done with a devil. You understand me? You're done with a devil. Found out lady, later the person that was doing it had really bad cancer. And I prayed for her. Didn't want to. You understand me? You don't want to pray for people that are giving you trouble. Are you kidding me? Is she sick? Mm. You understand what I'm saying? you got to go farther than mm, even whether you want to or not. You ask God to help you. Father, I would love to pray for this woman. I'm still your servant, your handmaid. I forgive them. Help them. She's still alive today. You understand me? That's God, honey. That ain't me. That's God. I'm just a little handmaiden. And see, the devil going to use people to try to make life bad for the handmaiden. We ain't having it because the word tells me I don't have to put up with it. You understand me? It says, whatever they plot against the Lord, he doesn't care what it is. Somebody want to pop up after 40 years and get old child support money. Whatever they plot against the Lord, he will make an utter end. Huh? Affliction will not rise up a second time. Utter end. Never heard from that person again. Everything disappeared evaporated why because god promises it to his children see even if i weren't faithful i'd refuse to live in condemnation about it i'm gonna go to god and say god get this straight between me and you because i don't want to live under the pressure of the devil like this i messed up and i know it but i want to get this straight between me and you and help me not to live like this no more and i'll be straight so all you got to do is be be godly honest before god and he will help you. God will utterly destroy your enemies and kill them dead so they don't resurrect themselves against you. The devil does not have resurrection power. He gets to die one time when he messes with a child of God. And he will not these problems they're they're guaranteed not to resurrect themselves against you. You've got to expect them to leave forever and not come back. You've got to expect them to disappear forever and not come back. Cancer cannot spread once you trust him. Don't even, don't even look for them. When they say, we're going to take a test, you say, oh, God, thank you. Confirm my healing. They ain't looking for nothing. It can't come back a second time. I dealt with this already. Your kids will not be bullied by you. That's nonsense for a Christian child. You understand what I'm saying? They can walk in such a place, kids don't gang up. You know, all your kid has to be smart enough not to be an idiot for friendship. That's how these kids get pushed around. They clinging and crazy and <laughs> dying without friends. Huh? Go talk to your Bible. Talk to, you know, 
lot, you got a lot of company. Your daughters won't be baby mamas either. You got me? Running down the court to try to get some money for diapers and all that nonsense. It's not for your children. God makes an utter end. Amen. God makes an utter end to these things. You fight that devil one good time. You tell God, God, you got to get this out of my life. I'm not living with this. Amen. Your word makes no provision for me to live with the devil clinging to my life. The word makes no provision for this to happen to me. I'm not doing it because I don't believe this is for me. And you be honest with God and he will help you. He will always help the righteous. You are not here to be punished. When trouble comes to you, it's not a punishment. It's a promotion in disguise. You got to just find your way through it. And at the end, don't, don't be looking at it as a promotion before you get through it. But you look at it day by day with God. God, what do I do next? What do you promise me victory, God? I'm expecting to be victorious over this thing so that it will not come upon me a second time. I don't need it, don't want it, didn't ask for it, not having it. You start refusing things the way God wants you to refuse them. And you'll get something better. You quit looking to man to do something for you. Look 100% at your father who is the source. Man can't give you anything. Man can't take anything away from you. Get yourself out from under man's authority. Amen. You're dealing with that and, and you know that, that there's a way out for you and a way to get free. You just go to God and say, God, listen, I've been looking for man to do this for me. I've been looking at people to uh, advance me and help me or whatever it is that you look. It's easy to get your focus off God because people will make themselves big. You know, if, if they can't feel big uh, any other way, they'll try to make themselves big to you. Telling you can't have something. You ain't ready for this. And it ain't your time. It's your time whenever you decide it's your time. Most of us, God wants us in positions of power long before we think we're ready. You got me? He does. But we got to believe that. You got to have enough relationship with God to know what your next portion is. If your next portion is advancement, he will give it to you. Man has never been in charge of you. Don't put yourself under man's dominion and his authority. Make this be the day you leave people alone. As far as them being in control of anything you want anything to do with. How we doing, Miss Tanya? Nine minutes. Oh, what could I do in nine minutes? <laughs> Praise God. Why don't we pray? Thank you, Father. Kurandaria shia handaya. Kurata shia handaya sikiriandaria. Thank you, Jesus. Kurandaria shia handaya sikiriandaria. Kurata shia handaya sikiriandaria. Kurandaria rebosia handaya sikiriandaria. Thank you, Jesus. He wants to give us answers today. Not, I believe that, that there is an anointing here to help you to receive your answer from God for what it is that you're facing. 
there's some things that are unsettled and have been unsettled for a while with some of you. There are some things that are, are things that you're, you want to step into in your future, but you're uncertain about it. And God wants to give you confidence. He wants to give you answers. There are answers for us. There are answers. Let me tell you what happens sometimes. You'll know, you'll sense that God has an answer for you. But fear of what he's going to say, you really fear the no answer. That's, That's condemnation, a little condemnation hanging over I call it the guilt hangover, where sometimes it's a little hard for you to get out from under it. See, when man tells you no, your mind tends to seek for an answer for why he says no. And the answer that always comes up is something that you're responsible for, something you didn't do right, something that you did to get you into that spot, something you feel you can't overcome. Now, God wants to free you from that. So if anybody's here and you need answers, come on up and I'll pray for you. But your answer is here. You just have to have the courage to step into it. God will give you an answer of peace. He won't give you something hard to do. In fact, there's nothing to do but believe him. Remove every hindrance to your faith out of the way. And God will help you, give you your answer which will be your next step to take. There's always the next step. Amen? Always the next step. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Holy 